Hello and welcome to My Biggest Lesson, the show that brings you the key learnings from the most influential founders, executives, and investors in the Colorado tech community. My name is Adam Burrows. And I'm Chris Erickson. Together, we are the co-founders of Range Ventures. An early stage venture firm based in Denver. You can find out more about what we're up to at range.vc. Our guest this week is Dan DeGolier. Dan is the founder of Ascent CFO, fractional CFO firm based in Boulder that he started over 11 years ago. Ascent helps founders and entrepreneurs across a wide variety of industries, and Dan is an active angel investor and big supporter of the local tech community. Hey, Dan, welcome to the podcast today. Thanks so much for having me, Chris. I'm excited to be here. So, you know, Dan, we'll, we'll get to, you know, your biggest lesson in a bit. But before we do that, I want our listeners to learn a little bit about you. And then also, you know, given your your long time here at Colorado, your perspective on Colorado Tech and how it's changed. But we'd love to jump in and hear, you know, what you're up to today and what you've previously done in your career. Yeah, great. Pizza. Happy to share. So I started my career in a pretty traditional way. Started out in public accounting for our international firm. Spent about four years there, which was a, a great experience, but I didn't want to spend my entire career being an auditor and really wanted to focus on com- on growth companies and, and making a difference in, in companies that were innovating and, and disrupting and things like that. So I pretty quickly uh, moved over into technology and took a, a role as the first controller of a software company in Boulder by the name of Gold Systems. Was there for about seven years early in my career. Um, th- that was where I was fortunate enough to meet uh, Brad Feld, who was the uh, company's first angel investor, and then he invested as part of, of SoftBank, which was the uh, predecessor to Mobius. And of course, Foundry is Foundry and Techstars is how we know uh, Brad today. And I was I was very focused on that kind of you know innovation and and interesting uh, growth type companies. So spent my early career in in sort of those types of companies. One departure from that was I did take a role with a publicly traded uh, enterprise software company that was publicly traded in the Australian Stock Exchange, but their headquarters for the Americas was in Denver. There I learned some some kind of different skills outside of just traditional finance and accounting. I was in charge of, of sales administration. I was very engaged with with enterprise sales activities, which was interesting kind of branching out a little bit. And then I uh, moved over to an early stage company in in Boulder that was raising its first round of venture. And that was kind of my, my light bulb moment when I realized that there was an opportunity to support more than one small company at a time. I had taken this role as a full-time CFO and pretty quickly realized that they needed my skill set. They needed somebody who could build uh, really good financial models to improve their reporting, help them raise capital, do pitch decks, all the the things that a good CFO would do. But it was not a full time role at their at their stage. And and I at that point, the the term fractional CFO really wasn't that well known, and or wasn't really being utilized. There wasn't many people doing that, and I thought it would be pretty interesting to do that for a while. So for several years, I became, I was an independent or a single shingle fractional CFO. Uh, from starting in 2011. And then in 2015, I realized there was a big demand for this. And I only, as one person, only had so much capacity. So I started adding people to the team. And, uh, you know, now we've grown, I think we're 37 or 38 people now. 
CFOs, controllers, county managers, financial analysts, senior accountants. And so we're able to engage with, uh, with clients across all kinds of industries, uh, supporting them in all things finance and accounting. You know, Dan, that's a, what you guys do and what you provide is something that I try to tell our founders that you need finance support earlier than you think you do. Right. And I think, you know, most founders, especially first-time founders, think of finance as, oh, they're the boring accountant guys who are just going to tell me how much money I made or, in most cases, lost last month, right? Right. And they don't actually understand the strategic value that having a good finance lead or a fractional finance person on the team can provide in terms of how you plan, how you make decisions, you know, what the KPIs should be, how they, they tie to the business. Before we talk about the other stuff, have you found any effective ways to, you know, quickly engage founders or show them that that value quickly so they realize you're not just the accountants? Yeah, that's a great question. So I, I would 100% agree with you that that founders who have been through uh, transactions before or exits before quickly realize that it's good to, to build it right the first time. And, and it's, it's worth spending, uh, spending a few bucks to, to have that strategic teammate. Um, I think the, the thing that seems to be resonating with people more and more is um, sort of the, the data analytics, the data visualization tools that are available now. So it's one thing to have, you know, you want to start with accurate financials. You want to have accrual base gap financials that you can give you a much better picture of what's happened in the past. That allows you to build a much better and more reliable forecast, uh, you know, financial model pro forma going forward. Um, but then, if you can also get that in a, you know, in a, in a really robust data visualization format um, that includes your not just your historicals, but your but your forecast includes your pipeline data, includes you know some uh, your your HR type type view. Uh, it, it can give you a, a lot of visibility into that. So I think that's one thing that we're seeing. Um, being a technology first firm that founders that resonates with with a lot of founders across all kinds of industries, not just SaaS companies, but it's you know it's companies in manufacturing and e-commerce and, and professional services. Yeah, I think that's an interesting angle I hadn't thought of is help them visualize what's going on and it, it makes it more actionable as opposed to just, you know, staring at numbers on a on a piece of paper, right? I'll have to try that with some of our companies. So shifting a bit to Colorado, Dan, you've been in the ecosystem for quite a while. Would love to hear your perspective on how Colorado tech has, has changed over the last decade or decades. What you're excited about now in the ecosystem? Well, first, thanks for calling me out as an old guy. Um, <laughs> but you know, experienced, experienced, you're experienced. <laughs> I would definitely... You know, I think I think venture was was pretty new back in when I started working in uh, in venture back companies in in the late '90s. You know, it was we, we thought of Silicon Valley, we, we thought of we thought of uh, Boston, New York, but there wasn't a, a tremendous amount of of uh, the tech the, the the venture scene was a little bit um, immature then. And then we really saw it rise in Boulder, I think, initially. Um, you know, pre tech stars, and then once once tech stars came on the scene. Um, started to, to really see a lot of uh, innovation, a lot of companies in Boulder got, got the spotlight. And then I would say over the last decade that Denver has really um, come into play much more so. I mean, Denver Startup Week is, is one of the largest um, sort of free entrepreneurial events in the, in the country, if not the world. And um, 
and I think some of that has to do with with uh, housing prices in Boulder and, and affordability and things like that. But it's great seeing how you know Denver and Boulder are you know kind of sister cities that really complement each other, and that we're seeing uh, a, a lot more really significant and and exciting companies in in, in Denver over the last decade. Yeah, um, you know the the shift is interesting. It reminds me a bit too of the the shift between the Valley and San Francisco too that occurred. Right when I went and raised my first round in the Bay Area and in 2013, 2014, we drove down to the Valley for every meeting, right? Yep. And, and we went raised our Series B in 2016, and half of our meetings were in the Valley, half were in the city, and then we went to raise our Series C in 2018. And we had to walk like two blocks from our office in Soma at most, right? And it's interesting right, right. how that changes. And I, I think to your point, the dollars follow people and where people choose to live is where companies are going to get built. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I agree with that. So speaking of companies being built here, are there any companies that are being built right now in Colorado that you're particularly excited about? One company that comes to mind right off the bat is Return.com. We've got it's a it's a client of ours who's really they're they're disciplined and they're disrupting the whole e-commerce space in the way that returns are done. And it's kind of a, a direct to consumer type model. So yeah, they've we've just started working with them over the last you know six or eight weeks or so, and and they're really doing some some innovative things. Awesome. Well, good, Dan. Well, let's jump to why our listeners are here. Would love to hear what your biggest lesson is that you've learned in your career. How did you learn it? Uh, and now that you, you've learned it, how do you put it into practice in your work setting, in your daily life, or however it impacts how you think about things? I love that. As a professional services firm, and I think any company, it's all about the people. And we, you know, we're a values-based organization. Um, we we live by our core values. And I think the biggest lesson I learned is that getting the right people in the right seats is critical and treating people uh, according to our values, which include things like respect and and integrity and responsiveness is, is absolutely um, critical. We've had, we've, we've fired clients before um, who were not meeting those values and Occasionally, we'll, we found people on our team who, who didn't meet all of those values, and we've, we've moved quickly. But it really is all about the people. I, 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 that gets reinforced time and time again. You don't want to spend time with people who don't give you energy and who don't who aren't good for for business and, and good for yourselves. We had a, a situation where our client had had been given a couple warnings because they were not being respectful to one of our controllers, and I won't name names, obviously, but I ended up having a conversation. Uh, with that client and said, let's let's go ahead and transition you off. We'll, you know, let us know what direction you want to take, and and we'll be there to support that transition. But that paid back that that sort of action and, and showing my team that I was going to support them and be behind them in every situation. Really, I think created a lot of loyalty, uh, created a lot of, of, of mutual respect across all the different boundaries. And you know, similarly with one or two employees where. They, they weren't being as responsive or as respectful to others as we expect. You know, we, we moved quickly in those areas. So I think that's been how I, that's the mindset I have now going forward. We spend, we spend more time vetting people um, before we bring them on. We check references. We, we, we spend a lot of time making sure they understand what it means to be a good consultant. You can be a, a competent CFO or a competent senior accountant and, and be good at your job, but you've got to learn. You've got to be very skilled in communication and setting expectations with each client. 
each of our consultants has usually between three and seven clients. And if you have, you can't close the books by the fifth day of the month for each of those clients. So you've got to figure out a way to, to, to create reasonable expectations and, and um, manage, manage expectations of clients and be highly responsive to their needs. You could be, you know, we, we use all, all the modern types of, of communication and you get a text message from from a client and, and you're in a board meeting, you know, you need to let them know that uh, you'll be back to them later in the day, but you're not going to be able to, uh, to to drop what you're doing in every single situation. So you need, so each each consultant understands the importance of, of being super communicative, um, you know, under promise, over deliver is, is just critical to to our, our us being successful. In the end, we talk to a lot of people who say, oh, values, 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 right? And I think everyone says, you know, values are important, right? But there's often a big gap, I think, between people saying values are important, people defining good values, and then actually making sure they are consistent and how they reflect those values in the organization, right? And you gave one example about how you actually had an external client that was not following the values and you as the leader were willing to take action, put revenue at risk, right? To show how important the values are to your company. Yep. What other ways have you found that are, are good at actually making sure that the values are actionable, that people follow of, and it's not just a thing on the wall that people read and go, ah, uh-huh, yeah, yeah, right, and walk by? I think it's living them yourself and, and setting the example. So I expect my my whole leadership team to, to follow them and, and, and to lead. And we remind people frequently about the importance of those of those five core values that that we that we we do have on the wall, but we also have on our desks, you know. And it's really critical that people, um, yeah, that we're that we're in for, you know uh, bringing them up. And 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 when come, when we are you know do employee reviews, that's the first thing we look at as well. We we look at those those different core values and 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 get feedback from, from clients and from coworkers on, um, whether, how they rank against each of those. And then are, have you found anything, do you guys do anything internally in terms of like, do you guys do 360 feedback or anything like that, that, you know, maybe helps reinforce or, or unearth some of the other ways that values are being, you know, adhered to, or maybe not adhered to? Yeah. Interesting. You asked that question. That's exactly what we're, uh, undertaking right now. We have a, a new, uh, head of recruiting and HR, and that is we are literally talking about that later today as far as how we're going to roll that out so we don't create a big burden with a 360 review for the employees because, you know, we're all busy and doing billable work, but we want to make sure that we are looking at those values. So that is that is what the focus is of the, we're not calling a 360 review, but that's essentially what it is. We're getting, we're getting client feedback. We're getting uh, feedback from from people on on the engagement teams, uh, you know, at a higher level and a lower level for each person. Well, I even imagine too, you know, especially given that you're a professional services firm, where you know your choices are work and bill or work and do something else that doesn't bill, right, and generate revenue. The fact that you create time as an organization to do those things, yep. right, I think is a really good signal right? Uh, that you care about those and it's important. Yeah. We want to, uh, we, we want to be, we very much understand the importance of the, uh, of the billable hours and, and the client, the client needs. And so we try to be as, uh, effective and efficient as possible, uh, when it comes to those things that are, that are not billable, but this is, this is critical. This is, this is important to our success is that 
that everybody on the team is upholding their values. And so, Dan, you're obviously with, with Ascent. This was not your your first rodeo, right? You've you've done this before. You know, you had a good starting point to think about how to define values, how to set them, and the fact they were important. What advice would you have for first time founders or first time entrepreneurs that are starting their first company? Tactically, like, what are good ways to go about doing this and actually then creating the feedback mechanisms to make sure that you're living your values? Yeah, I think you have to spend the time. It has to come from the top, and you've really got to spend the time and understand not every not every person's values out of the gate are the same. Not every company's values are gonna are gonna be the same. But you know, in our case, we really thought what is important, and 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 it again, it's in our we reached a conclusion. It's all about the people. It's all, it's all about um, having people who uh, treat each other with respect and are highly responsive and are very good at what they do and and have an absolute very high level of integrity. I mean, I guess that's one good thing about the accounting profession is we're very much about profession is very much driven by its ethics. And so we have a good, a good starting point there. So I would encourage founders to really think about what's important to them, important to their success and important to their own ethos. That's great advice. Well, Dan, I really appreciate the lesson and also hearing about the history and what you've done and the importance of adding finance support early to, to early stage companies. Where can our listeners follow what you're up to? Sure, the best places are, you know, we, we post our uh, uh, content on our, on our website, which is ascentcfo.com. And uh, we're also pretty active on, on LinkedIn. So you can find uh, myself, Andy Golier, or Ascent CFO on, on LinkedIn. We don't really use other social media ch- channels. So those are, the, those are the best places to, to find us. We try to uh, put out good content. None of it is AI written so far. <laughs> and so there, there's no fractional CFO TikTok channel yet. Not yet. Not yet. We haven't we haven't created that yet. And uh, I'm not sure we necessarily will. <laughs> Always test new channels. Well, Dan, thank you so much for the, the time today. Um, and it's just super awesome to have you as part of our ecosystem here. 